Welcome, and may the Lord be with you. We are excited to have you with us today as we listen to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Let's listen in. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Sometimes I wonder if baptism should be called the long-lost and forgotten sacrament. Each week, by the grace of God, we are able to partake of the sacrament of the Eucharist and able to partake of the benefits that it provides. And perhaps getting to partake weekly keeps it at our forefront, and we are able to better appreciate it and enjoy it. But baptism, well, now that's another story. So you see, for some of us, we were baptized as babies or as young children. And we don't remember that, of course. For others, we were baptized so long ago that we do barely remember it. We might remember the circumstances. We might remember who it is that did it, but it's, it's been a long time. And because we don't do it each week, nor do we historically talk about it at great length often, and in some cases have never had the meaning and importance of baptism explained, I think we forget the importance and power of our baptism. So this morning we're going to focus on baptism, and my objective is that you walk away better understanding the significance of baptism and how we can live it out in our own lives. So one of the first things we have to kind of talk about is where did baptism come from? Was this a, a new creation that just came out of nowhere? Was there any kind of historical uh, significance for the use of water? Well, the idea that God would use water for spiritual purpose is very biblical. It was a very Jewish concept that he, that there was use of water for purification purposes. But even if we look at how God has used water throughout the Old Testament, we see that God over and over used water as a way to communicate to his people. We can look at the Red Sea and how God parted the Red Sea and brought the nation through it. We can look at Naaman and how he was healed by dipping himself seven times in the river. We can look at the flood and how God used the flood. We can talk about many, many other examples. Even today in Judaism, the Jewish law requires one to immerse themselves in a mikvah for certain reasons. So if you are healed of leprosy, you did a mikvah. If you, defi- you were defiled by touching the dead, well, you do a mikvah. Uh, if you, uh, a woman, for example, would do a mikvah once a month. I'll let you figure out why. In Leviticus, before Aaron and his sons were ordained, they had to be immersed in a mikvah. And the, the purpose of that washing wasn't a physical purpose, but it was a spiritual one. It was a, a purity issue. So the mikvah was later given another role when it was introduced as part of the process for when a Gentile was converting over to Judaism, in addition to circumcision. So they, they didn't get away from that. They still had to do that. Uh, but they, this was introduced as another part of that. And many people believed it to become more important because it portrayed spiritual cleansing and the beginning of a new life. 
One 12th century scholar says this about the mikvah in relation to spiritual cleansing. He says, Uncleanness is not mud or filth which water can remove, but it is a matter of spiritual decree and dependent on the intention of the heart. Now, that sounds a little familiar to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, where Peter says, Baptism, which now corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as you can see, God has always used water for spiritual purposes in the life of his people. So that leads us to the next question, which is quite clearly, so what is baptism? What is it? All right, well, I can answer that very simply. Baptism is a sacrament. Okay, but what is a sacrament? Well, a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. That's, that's a very classical definition of what a sacrament is. It's pretty much St. Augustine's definition of what a sacrament is. There's two parts to a sacrament. There's the outward piece, the this, this thing you see, and then there's the inner thing, the thing you don't see that it communicates or symbolizes or points to. The first part of that is very easy. So if we said, what is the outward and visible sign in baptism, what do you think it might be? Peyton, what do you think it might be? It's water, right? So the water is what we use. The water is what we see. It's the outward and visible sign that God uses. And he uses it to do whatever it is that God does in baptism, which we will talk about. Um, now, we, we see the same thing here in a sacrament for the Eucharist, right? What's the outward and visible sign we see here? What's the, the, the bread and the wine? And the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ, and that's the outward sign. So, now the one thing we have to be t- very careful about when we're talking about baptism is to not talk about baptism as the sacrament and to only refer to the water. That's, that's where we get in trouble. When we talk about baptism and only mean H2O. That's not what baptism is. It's, um, you see, apart from baptism as being a sacrament, all water does is get you wet. That's why you see these jokes sometimes on Facebook where people are driving by a big puddle and they're splashing people with water. And it says, I'm baptizing all these people. Well, that's, that's not really how that works. Water just gets people wet. Unless there's the right intention and the right purposes and the right matter, all that... It's not baptism. So the thing we have to be very careful for is when we talk about baptism, we're not just talking about water because water does nothing at all. It gets you wet. But in a sacrament, there's something more. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says that Noah and his family were saved or were brought safely through the ark. Now, was it the ark that really saved them? Well, I mean, from a pure human understanding, we would say yes, right? We, we can look at that story and we can say an ark saved them. But was it really an ark that was in, 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 uh, the main thing that saved them? Well, no, we would say it was God saved them. Now, God used the ark. It was a means that he used, but ultimately God saved Noah and his people. It was solely and wholly God who saved them. God used the ark, but ultimately it was God who saved them. I believe that's the perfect way of describing what happens in sacraments, especially baptism. And Peter thought the same thing. Water does nothing. It can have no effect by itself. 
Same thing with the wine and the bread. Sitting there, they are nothing more than just wine and bread. But God uses sacraments to meet us. At baptism, he is present. Not present to watch. Not present to just witness it. Not present to just receive prayers about it or praises for it. In baptism, God met us. While we see the visible sign of water, God is meeting us spiritually and there is an invisible and spiritual grace that we receive. And make no mistake, sometimes when we say a spiritual grace or an invisible grace, we think that means less real. Just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's less real. And so that is something we have to be very clear in our understanding of baptism. That baptism is wholly and completely a work of God. I can't say that enough. Baptism is completely a work of God. It's not a work of man. It's not a work that you've done. You might say, well, I I got baptized. That was my work. No, that was not a work you did. That was a work that God did in you. So when we look back at our baptism and we talk about baptism, we're talking about an act that is carried out by God. But we must ask, what is it then that God does in baptism? Is it just something that we do just for the sake of doing it? Or does God actually do something in baptism? Does it have any, well, does it have any effect? And so that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time here this morning talking about. What exactly does baptism do? What are the benefits of baptism? Well, the first thing that we'll look at comes from our passage this morning in Romans chapter 6. Baptism buries us and resurrects us with Christ. Romans 6, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In baptism, we are baptized into Christ's death, and not only that, but we are also united with him in his resurrection. The last part of that verse ties it together. Paul is saying, listen, if you've become united with him in death, then certainly... We will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. To be united in one, his death, is to be united in the other. In other words, you were baptized into Christ's death, and because he was raised from the dead, we too might walk in newness of life. If we go back to that first Peter passage where it says, baptism now saves you, I think that's a very generic manner. It's a very uh, generic way of saying the same thing as this Romans passage. In baptism, we are united to Christ in his death and resurrection. We are made dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what the Romans passage says, that you are made dead to sin and alive to God. In his baptism, Jesus identifies with sinners, and our baptism forever identifies us as Christ's own. Have you ever struggled with doubts about your relationship with Christ? Ever had bouts of doubt as to whether you are truly one of Christ's own? Have you ever wondered, does God really love you? 
Does, does God really consider you one of his own? Where do you turn for assurance? Where do you turn to know that God loves you and has made you, made you his own? Do we turn inward and ask whether we pray enough? Do we love others enough? Do we, do we read enough Bible? Do we try to figure out whether we really meant it when we prayed a prayer? Do we ask whether we truly meant it when we were repented? Or worst of all, and, I, and believe it or not, I've heard this numerous times, do you feel saved? As if anyone knows what that feels like. By understanding that in baptism we are buried and resurrected with Christ, we can move away from subjective answers when the doubt comes. We don't have to look inward to ourselves to figure out, did we love enough? Did we repent hard enough? Do we believe enough? Do we believe the right things? Did I say the right things? We don't have to look inner, but we can look out and look to God. Where else would we get true assurance? I can't provide true assurance but God can. We do just that when we look to our baptism. We have to remember that baptism is not your work that you did. It is not a work that as a priest that I do. It's 100% a work that God does. The question moves from, did I really believe when I was an 11-year-old kid to have I been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection and do I believe today? Baptism as a sacrament takes away the question mark about whether we are doing something good enough or whether we did something good enough. It answers the question with God has done something good enough and that he united himself to you and you to him when you repented and were baptized. Not you. God. It is completely God. We should not just remember our baptism every time or every once in a while, but we should remember our baptism every single day of our life. The scripture is very clear that, that in baptism you were buried with Christ in his death and raised with him into a new likeness that you might walk in the newness of life. That's why when you, you, you get baptized, buried with Christ in his death, raised, there, there's this, this symbolism that points to what really happens when you get baptized. The second thing we see baptism does is baptism clothes us with Christ. Galatians 3.27 for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let's go back to that ceremonial act back in Leviticus at the priestly ordination ceremony. And there's this spiritual impurity washing that has to happen. And then once that happens, they get this priestly garment. So this nice priestly garment. So they had the spiritual purity. They have this uh, purification act. Then they get the priestly garment. In our baptism, we too go through a washing or a cleansing. And instead of getting the regular ordination clothes that the priest got, we are clothed with Christ. Now think about that. We are clothed with Christ. He is our priestly garment. And being clothed with Christ is a daily reminder of who we are in him. Every single day and every single step we take and in everything we do, we are clothed in him. And in being clothed in him, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, as Ephesians 1 tells us. And we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, for some, we tend to think of baptism as a past tense event. 
we tend to think of it as a past tense event with no modern relevance. But if we think of baptism in terms of it clothing us with Christ, then we realize that our baptism is important every single day of our life. And for those of you who are like me and struggle with things like depression, loneliness, rage, hate, disappointment, fear, If you're like me and you might struggle with those things, your baptism is a daily reminder to you that you are not alone, that you are covered by Christ. Every step you take, He is right there. And I know what it's like to be in those situations. I do. I know what it's like to doubt that He cares or that He loves you or that He would want to be a part of your life when it's like this. I've told you that I've struggled many times wondering how can God the Father love me when my own earthly father didn't. Maybe my earthly father saw something in me and he saw how truly ugly I am and how truly dis, dis, just unlovable that I am and, and, and how bad I am and how sinful I am. And If he can't love me, how can God the Father love me? Our baptism is a reminder that God's done something in our lives and he's baptized us. He's buried us in Christ's death and, and raised us in his resurrection and we walk in this newness of life and now we've been we've, we've put on Christ. We've, we've put on the clothes of Christ. And in our baptism we remember that he is there with us and that he loves us. We are forever identified with him and he with us. By remembering our baptism, we take out the subjective question whether we are in the middle of a desert and Christ is nowhere to be found. Because it's an objective reminder that we are clothed with him and he is there. You see, baptism gives us a new identity as having been buried and raised with Christ and walking in the newness of life and as the one who has been clothed with Christ. Baptism is the visible sign that we are not our own. Now, the last question, Thing. And, and, and of, of course, we understand that I'm not covering every bit of baptismal theology here, but I'm trying to give you encouragement of why our baptism should not be the long lost or forgotten sacrament, but it should be something that we think on and we remember back to as a means for pastoral encouragement, for a means of encouragement from our Lord. And so the third thing is baptism joins us to the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Quite simply, baptism joins you to the body of Christ. When baptized, you become a, rem- a member of the body of Christ. Baptism is the act of initiation into God's covenant people. And just as circumcision was the act in which one was initiated into God's covenant people in the old covenant, the new, t- new covenant's initiation is through baptism. And just as baptism reminds us that we are not our own, we are Christ, it is also a reminder that we are not on our own. You see, baptism doesn't just happen just willy-nilly in somebody's house, just randomly. Baptism is, is a sacrament of the church. 
And the reason it's a sacrament of the church is because it brings you into the church. And every Sunday, whenever I celebrate, I always turn and look to see and, and, and remind you that, bapti- or that Holy Communion is open to all baptized believers. It's initiation into God's people. And so it's a good reminder that we are not on our own and that we are part of a covenant people. That we are responsible for others and responsible to others. We are obligated. Now, it seems in contemporary Christianity in the West, we don't really believe that. We come and leave churches as we so desire. We drop relationships without one care. And we're always looking for the next best thing. The best programs, the best facilities, whatever might suit our preferences and sensibilities. We may criticize the world for being materialistic, yet we do it ourselves in our churches. I believe baptism calls us to a higher view of church. It's less about your preferences and the right kind of programs and the right style of worship and more about our obligation and responsibilities as covenant members of the body, loving each other, caring for each other, looking out for each other, encouraging one another. There, through the good and the bad, walking with one another. The church is not a place you go, but it is the very people of God. And that only really works itself out when we commit to each other. Our baptism ties us to something much bigger than ourselves. We are part of this bigger thing. So as we close today, baptism buries us in Christ's death and raises us to walk in newness of life, Romans Baptism clothes us with Christ and identifies us with Him. Galatians. Baptism connects us to God's covenant people. 1 Corinthians. You see, baptism is not meant to be a one-time event that happened in the past and that we never think about again nor remember. On the contrary, it should be an ongoing source of grace, renewal, encouragement, and reminder of what God has done, who we are, and what we are a part of. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Blue Ridge Anglican Mission. We are a parish of the Orthodox Anglican Church that is situated in the beautiful mountains of Hendersonville, North Carolina. If you want to learn more, check us out at blueridgemission.org. Now, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord.